Hi, I'm Maya Lettinger, and this is No Bucks Given, the podcast where we have honest conversations about the horse industry. Today, I'm joined by Jennifer Vitalico, who is a Pulse PMF distributor and who has helped dozens of equine body workers power their business with Pulse PEMF. I wanted to have a conversation with her today because I'm super passionate about equine body work, but I've noticed throughout the industry, many equine body workers struggle to make a living that can support themselves as well as their horses. Jen has helped many, many people do this successfully, and I myself have personally done it successfully, as well as helped to mentor other body workers to build their business as well. So I'm hoping that if you're a body worker or you'd like to be a body worker, you can listen to this and gain some valuable insight as to how to create a business that you love and supports you. Jen, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you, Maya. And thank you for having me. This is a topic I'm very passionate about. Um, It's one of the things within my career that brings me great joy is helping others either start an equine bodywork business, incorporating PEMF, or scaling their existing equine bodywork business. So I'm excited to dive into these topics with you. That's amazing. Um, yeah, so, you know, I, I want to share with you a little bit like how I got started and why I feel like this is such like a good topic to talk about. Um, you know, I started my equine bodywork business in 2020. Um, and luckily at that time, um, someone was able to invest in a PEMF machine for me. And I saw a huge growth, you know, Um, I started my business slowly and then within, I want to say like three or four months, um, someone actually purchased a PEMF machine for me uh, with the understanding that I would pay them a 50% commission on what I made. Um, And it was a really cool opportunity because I got to introduce PEMF to my business and I saw how exponentially it grew my business and how much it grew my income. And I was able to make, um, you know, just for numbers for people who are interested in my first full year of business, I made around $80,000, which I I think is like pretty far above what the average equine body worker makes. And I also was just able to like really, really enjoy the PEMF um, for me and my horse. And the cool thing is, is that I actually paid off that person's machine and then was able to turn around that year and buy myself a machine in cash. So And from there, I was able to very quickly, um, you know, that machine paid for itself very quickly and since then has made my income so much higher. And I really do think that, you know, so many equine body workers get into this business for the right reason, um, which is to help horses, but they're not able to see kind of the financial success um, that I was able to see because, you know, they don't understand the business side of things. Yeah, absolutely. I see that too, where folks, they get into it, they're passionate about it. They have the knowledge within the equine industry, but a lot of them do lack the the business sense, Um, especially if they weren't entrepreneurs before getting into this um, or going out on their own and starting a business. So that's, that's some impressive numbers, Maya. Uh, just a quick question: When you going back to the eighty thousand you made in your first year, was that what you netted after you after the 
technology owner or, or your partner who invested took their 50% revenue? So that was my gross. I think my oh, that was net, your gross. Okay. Yeah, that was my gross. I think okay. my net when I counteracted like their commission and my expenses was more like 60. Okay. Still very, yeah. very good. That's impressive. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, it, it was nice. And like the cool thing is, is like if I had just, you know, I don't regret the fact that like that person invested in that machine for me because I was 21, 22 at the time, I would not have been able to buy my own machine. Um, so like, and I had no credit, right? So like, um, you know, I had a financial, you know, situation with my parents and with, um, some medical bills that never got paid. So I had basically like very, very bad credit. I wouldn't, and no cash. So I wouldn't have been able to buy my own machine. But for those of you listening who are in a little bit of a better situation than I was, you know, if I had just like bought my machine flat out, I would have had so much more profit. You know, I would have had an extra like 10 or $11,000 worth of profit in my first year. And that machine would have been paid off. Right. No, it, I, I love that though. You got creative and you, you found a way, a lot of people I feel that are maybe in a situation similar to yours they just think, well, if I can't get a loan, I don't have good credit or I'm young, I have no credit. Um, that's the end all be all. But I've helped people do similar things to what how you did it with um, getting your foot in the door. And I think it's smart if you can partner with somebody and get creative, it, it gets it going. Um, you've got to start somewhere. So yeah, like I think that everyone needs to start somewhere. Um, you know, even like I know some people who like share machines, you know, like, um, for example, like I, I've heard of, there's a person in our area who like is a pretty successful PMF practitioner and she has a few machines and she like essentially like has people who work under her who get like a commission when they work. And then maybe those people are able eventually to go off and start their own businesses as well. You know, there are so many options when you don't have great cash flow in the beginning that you can play with. But I do think that having someone kind of invest in you um, to start out is a really like great way to kind of negate some of your personal risk. Absolutely. No, I love that. Um, so, you know, I want to talk to you a little bit about, you know, what are some things that you see, like, you know, I want to get into like why both of us love PMF so much when it's added to an equine bodywork business. But I was wondering, like, is, I'd just love to get your perspective from the, like, kind of the outside a little bit of our industry because you interact with so many body workers. I mean, not the outside, but as someone who interacts with so many body workers, but doesn't, isn't a body worker yourself, is there right. kind of like a, a like pattern you see that might be limiting some people's income or a pattern you see that is helping people's income? Yeah. So the first part, a pattern that I, I see that could be limiting some folks' income with this is let's say in this scenario, they're brand new, um, brand new business, getting into body work, they have zero clientele. Uh, a lot of them have a misconception that if they invest in the technology or if they get certified to be a licensed equine massage therapist or 
they graduate and they become an equine chiropractor, then the business will kind of just come to them or they're mm-hmm. maybe just naive. So, yeah. and oftentimes when they have that mindset and it's really not their fault, you don't know right. what you don't know. So, right. But I see folks like that get discouraged, they get frustrated, and oftentimes they quit on themselves before they really even give them give given themselves a chance. Um, and they'll sell off their machine, or they'll maybe go the route of working for another chiropractor, so they're no longer self-employed, and they even though that was their goal of being their own business and entrepreneur. Um, so I think that that's one thing I do see that can hinder income is just that misconception of once I get my education, I'm licensed or I buy the the modality or the thing, that business will just come to me. And I wish it was that way, but it, it's not. So investing in, you know, either mentoring, if, if you need some guidance with business, um, brainstorming, coming up with a business strategy and just being realistic and Maybe even before you invest in a modality like PEMF or laser or invest in your schooling, you think, okay, what is this going to take? Once I get the thing and I'm certified, what do I need to do to get this business? Do I need to t- attend four mm, shows? Do I yeah. need to get out of my comfort zone? You know, all yeah. these things. And then some people may say, okay, cool, I can do that. Or Maybe not. I mean, entrepreneurship isn't for everybody. Um, yes, that is so true. And it's. It, I think it's a better thing to find out before you spend the money or time. Yeah. Um, so these are just things for for the listeners to think about if if they are just mulling around the idea of getting into body work in, in some capacity, um, the business side of things, because it's a very real side of things. You can be super talented and have the best modalities and attend the best school and do all the continuing ed and all this great stuff. But I mean, if you can't go out and, and market yourself and get the business, then, you know, you're, you're not helping these horses and people because um, you're just not in front of them. Yeah. That's, that's so key and so valuable. You know why it's, and it's hard too, because I think like, you know, you're talking about like kind of figure out if you are good at business before you make the investment. But I actually think too, there's an element of like, you kind of don't know till you get there at some level as well. That's you know, true. like yeah. I actually think if you had talked to me like three or so years ago, what would that be? Yeah. Like, I think if you had talked to me like four years ago, but start, before I started my business, you know, I didn't even know if I wanted to have my own business. I kind of think I really thought that I didn't like, I, um, really my plan was to work, you know, I went to human massage school. I couldn't find an equine massage school that I liked, um, that I felt like what taught me in depth enough that I was actually comfortable charging people. Um, and really like my plan was to just, graduate and work at a spa and just like have a very easy breezy life like you know go work my hours make however much and like ride my horse and just kind of like exist like that um I and then I kind of like slowly started you know I got two different mentors who both had very good businesses who taught me a real lot not only about body work but about business um but you know as I 
I, again, like just, I didn't totally see myself as a business person until I kind of slowly started to do it. And I was like, oh, you know, like I actually really, really enjoy this. And I really enjoy having so much control over my life. And then I became very quickly, like very obsessed with it. And I did a ton of my own education when it came to business. Um, But I think that that goes back to a little bit how valuable it can be to work for someone first. You know, like I think a lot of people, I saw so many people in my human massage school swear up and down that they would never work for a spa because they said like, you know, it's selling out. Like, I don't want someone else to like take all of my money. Um, And I just thought that that was so short sighted because, you know, if you just graduated massage school, like you have no idea what business looks like. Like you have no idea how to get clients. You like you honestly, like when you graduate massage school or when you graduate anything, you know, like any type of trade, you're still really a beginner. Like, you know, I think, you know, for example, like my boyfriend is an electrician. Even after he went to be an electrician at like electrician school, (laughs) um, you know, he was an apprentice for, I want to say like four or five years before he went on to become a like mechanic, like what they call technically a mechanic. And just now he's studying to become a journeyman and have a lot more responsibility. And then once he becomes a journeyman, that's when he's legally allowed to start his own business. So I think so many people, um, are so, like, gung-ho to start a business, which is amazing. Um, But, like, then they, like, like kind of fly out there and they immediately fall flat on the pavement. And they are like, oh, well, this can't possibly work. Like, I can't possibly have a business. And it's like, well, no, like, it's not that you can't have a business. It's just that you you didn't know enough when you started out. And you had a lot of risk because you had all this debt from school. And you might have, like, rented a space or invested in something expensive or invested in more expensive school. And, like, you didn't quite have, like, your bearings about you in the industry to start a business. Um, You know, so what I did is like I graduated school and I actually started working at a spa and I was like, you have a year. I was like, you have a year. You're going to figure out like you're going to basically like get your bearings under you as a massage therapist and as a and and as a professional. But um, with someone else having all the overhead, you know, so I made like shit money. I made a massage, I was a massage therapist making like $16 an hour plus tips. And a lot of the time the tips were terrible. <laughs> um, and I mean, th- yeah, no, it sucked. Like it was, you got I mean, tip I just, people, tip at least yeah, 20%. <laughs> yeah, at least 20%. No, but I mean, I made like terrible, I was making so, but at that time while I was in the spa, I was actually apprenticing under two different people, a human chiropractor and an equine myofascial release person. And the human chiropractor, the nice thing was that he did pay me to work for him. And I did a ton of office work. Um, and But in return, like for me not making a lot of money doing office work for him, um, he like did a lot of mentoring for me, like not only um, when it come, when it came to like talking about like bodywork stuff, we also would like kind of talk about like business stuff a bit. Um, and then, you know, so basically for about a year after massage school, I was very, very broke. Like I had very little money, but I was super, super invested in like learning about my industry. And I did, I think like over a hundred hours of continuing education in that first year as well. Um, and then when I went out to start my business, which ended up being an 
about like another six months to about a year later because of COVID. Um, but then when I actually went out to start my business, I had such a better like understanding and I had so much more experience. Um, and you I were probably able... more confident too. Like yeah. you, you had an air of confidence about you because you weren't so green at that point. That is so true, you know, because I think that um, because both my mentors were men, I think as part of this as well, they were like, they were kind of like, you know, like you're my protege, like you're, you know, they were like, you're good. Like, and I was like, yeah, like I'm good, which like, whatever. <laughs> like I, you know, I was like, okay. <laughs> there, But, you know, I had like two people who were like really like bolstering me. And I think that that's because the thing is too, is like, if I was insecure, like questioning something, like I could call them and be like, Hey, you know, like blah, blah, blah. And they'd be like, you're fine. Like, that's not a big deal. Like, that's like, you know, whatever. And I think that so many people like, and I've done this as well. Like they get out on their own two feet and they start their business and they don't have someone who can kind of bolster them and they can kind of like seek support from. And as soon as stuff starts going badly, they like get in their own head and they're like, oh, I'm terrible. And like, I can't possibly have a business and I'm a bad therapist. And then, you know, like in addition to that, they also don't have confidence. So they don't have the ability to like put themselves out there and, um, like create their business and like have this aura of like, you know, like people aren't going to be attracted to you the same way if you're not confident. Yeah, no, that's, that's ab absolutely true. And one thing I picked up on a moment ago was I got the impression that you also weren't short-sighted. Like you came into this, like with a long-term vision and, and I think part of that was why you were willing to go through, quote unquote, a mentorship, right? To be employed right. by somebody because you were looking at it long term. And I think some people that come into this that are just looking at the immediate success, you know, I'm brand new, I'm out, I need to make, you know, five to 10,000 a month or whatever their goal is, and they're not hitting it. They're so stuck on immediate results. And anything in business and it, it takes time. And I think people that go into it looking for to hit these numbers and to have this success right off the bat that are fresh out of school or fresh into being trained on a modality um, and fresh to business, they've never been in business. I think they're missing the mark. And it's like, yeah. we all have to kind of pay our dues in a sense. And not to say you can't start and, and go for it full swing and not do a mentorship and be brand new into business, but be prepared that there's going to be more inherent risk. Um, and, you know, some of that can be mitigated through what you did through working for somebody for a year, learning, observing, not only growing your skills, but also observing how they conduct business. How do they get new people in the door? How do they keep those people coming back? I mean, these are all things you're learning. While the money may not be where you want, that's okay because everything that you're learning is valuable and that's going to help grow your business, you know, on year two or three when you do step out. Um, I do like that approach much better. There, there are personality types though that can jump into a full swing. Um, and to your point too, that you made earlier, I, you know, it is interesting when you did say, sometimes you don't know if you'll like it until you're in it. That's yeah. very true. I mean, I went yeah. from 
regular nine to five. My background was in occupational therapy. That's what I went to school for. I wasn't an entrepreneur. I didn't grow up with parents that were entrepreneurs. It was very traditional. Um, and one thing led to another. I won't go into detail because that'll be a whole nother podcast, but I stepped into entrepreneurship and it was, it was scary. And I didn't know if I was going to be good at it. I didn't know if I was going to like it, but once I started doing it and helping people grow their business, um, I was like, wow, I'm really good at this. Yeah. I never would have thought like this kind of role and, and it, it just kind of happened organically, but I think, I think you're right. I mean, you can think about things and research things. And I think it's always good to kind of give yourself a roadmap and, and look at every angle. But also, I am a big advocate for taking the risk. If this is something you really want to try, go out and do it. If you fail, that's okay. I mean, failing is normal part of life. That's how we learn. Um, but you'll never know unless you jump in and take a risk. That's so true. And I think that, you know, I think that there's a lot of like there are risks. I think that there are absolutely things you can do to like mitigate it. You know, the thing I liked about, you know, kind of the way I went out on my own, because I get I get that question a lot. Like, you know, I just start going out on my own. Like, what should I do? Um, you know, the way I went out on my own is I was working at the spa and I can't recommend enough, like if you are starting a business to have like a consistent source of income where the schedule is flexible. So for me, that was that spa because the nice thing about being a massage therapist is like the hours are very flexible. Like you can kind of come in and out. Um, you know, for some people that might look like being a waitress or doing some barn work, you know, like they kind of don't care like if, like, for example, cleaning stalls, they might not really care what time you show up that day as long as you show up. Um, right. But like having some form of income that's stable, but the timing is flexible so that you can kind of like get clients in where they need to be in. Um, but then actually, ideally, if you can like slowly scale back on that job, you know, so for example, like I started out like five days a week at that spa. And as my business grew, I scaled back to like four and then three and then two days a week. And then finally, I had saved up like $2,000 in my bank account. Like I think it was actually just under $2,000. And I was like, $2,000 can support me and my horse for the next month. Um, you know, I was like, I, so I went to like my boss at the spa and was like, Hey, I just like need to try this. I need to like, see if I can do this and like be a horse massage therapist. I was like, that's always what I've wanted to do. And I was like, I'm just going to like take a sabbatical for a month. Um, and I'm hoping it's going to work out and you might not like, I might not come back, but can I just like have this month? And she was like, yeah, like whatever. And that's a nice thing about like, places that are a little bit more like retail and food service, like they tend to be more flexible like that. Um, and then, so I went out on my own that month. That was, um, I believe it was November. And then my business, like, because I had extra free time, it exploded like very quickly. And then I was able to just never go back and continue my business. But if you have that sort of job, you're able to kind of risk you know, because I know so many people like you who jump from having a nine to five and insurance and benefits um, and like this huge income just straight to entrepreneurship. And that must be terrifying. <laughs> yeah, it was it was terrifying. And, to, you know, to be fully transparent. Yeah, I, I do have a very supportive fiance that that's awesome. There was yeah, there was some long discussions because I told him, hey, yeah. <laughs> you know, there could be 
Hopefully not, but there could be a few months where I may not be able to pay a portion of the bills. We we kind right. of split all the bills um, in our right. household. So uh, it, it did help. Uh, he came from an entrepreneurial background. So, but he believed in me. He saw That's things amazing. in me. Yeah. And that kind of gave me the, I guess, audacity to, to just, you know what, like I'm going to jump and hopefully I land on two feet and everything's great. And part of that too, with me and the way I am, I tend to perform really well when my back's up against the wall. That's where awesome. I know I don't have any more money coming in, right? So I'm like, <laughs> that's motivation. Like I got to right. make things happen. Even though I, I have a supportive fiance, I'm also the type where I like having my own money. I like being very independent. So um, that gave me the gumption to get out of my comfort zone and start networking and doing all the things so I could see success sooner than later. Yeah, you know, I love that you brought up networking. Um, I think that that is maybe one of the most underrated things that I, mm-hmm. I see very few equine body workers doing. Same here. Um, Yeah. You know, I, so for me, like so many people ask me, like, you know, I just started my business. How can I get going essentially? And, you know, the hard thing is, is a lot of these people um, coming out aren't riders. And what I've noticed, um, you know, just with my own experience, but also with, um, you know, like, for example, like who one of the um, women I mentor, her name's Brittany Gray. She um, used to be my assistant and she's not my assistant anymore because she's so wonderfully successful now as an equine body worker. Um, But I've noticed that like if you're a rider, you're so much better able to build a network of people who know you and want to use your services because you know so many riders versus Brittany was a groom. Um, so she knew like other grooms somewhat, but the hard thing about like, you know, if you have a background in the horse industry, but you're more of like a groom, um, or someone who like kind of works more behind the scenes, like grooms kind of like stay in their like barn and like they do go to shows and meet other grooms. But the hard thing is the groom, the other grooms don't have a lot of control necessarily about if what like basically what practitioners their horses are using. Whereas like, because I have been a rider my whole life and I meet so many people like at shows and at, um, you know, clinics and at lesson barns and through my other like riding friends, you know, I meet so many riders who own their horses who are like, oh my God, yeah, Maya, like come work on my horses. And I think that like, so my number one tip to like most of the people who slide in my DMs and ask me is to like, just know as many riders as possible. And some of the best ways to do that are to just like go take lessons. Yeah. You know, like go take lessons in a lesson barn and meet all those people and then go volunteer at horse shows and meet a bunch of people volunteering at horse shows. Like I can't tell you how many people um, like I've been volunteering at a horse show or I've been just like helping a friend grooming for them at a horse show. And like um, someone's introduced me and then and they'd be like, oh, like Maya like works on horses and people. And the person is like, oh, my God, like, you know, like my horse has this or like my shoulders hurting here. Like, can you come work on me? Like. I think just you have to physically get in front of people. You can't just, you know, so many people look at me and they think that my business was made on social media, but my business was very successful before I had any social media presence. And you're still pretty new. I mean, it's 
you said you started in 2020, right? So it's yeah. been three years. Um, yeah. Core shows, I'm a huge advocate for that. And that's really how I built my network. Uh, I took a little that's sabbatical awesome. from competing. So while I still rode and I never took a break from riding per se, I took a I took a long break from competing. So I didn't really have a strong network of riders um, just at my little barn. That was it. So for me, I found I met the most people naturally, organically, it just kind of happened. And before I knew it, I'm like, wow, like I have this huge network in the quarter horse industry just by going to shows. And the way I did it, I just didn't show up and just walk around and hope <laughs> talk to me, right? See, I mean, I kind yeah, like so. I was so about I'm not, to ask you, yeah, what what did you yeah. do? Yeah, so I'm not saying do that because right. you're probably not gonna be successful or like walk around and you know the trailer lot and hand out business cards. That doesn't really work. You know, yeah. you gotta you gotta think of yourself as the consumer. Like, what intrigues yes. you? What yes. makes you want to talk to people? So I set up a vendor booth. Yes, it does cost okay. a little bit, a little bit of money, but um, it's worth it. I depending on the show, it can be you know a hundred bucks. It could range from a hundred to you know a thousand to two thousand for like big qualifying shows or championship shows. But you know, you kind of just start with an, with what you can afford. Go to a local show if it's more feasible. Get a little booth. Get a tablecloth have a sign. You can order one on, you know, Vistaprint or have a yeah. pop-up just kind of introducing yourself like, Hey, this is me. This is what I do. And that's what I did. I had a nice booth. It, it looked pretty. It was inviting. Um, I set the table in the back. So people were invited to come in. I, sometimes I see people set vendor booths up where the table's in the front and I guess certain businesses that works, but for me, I'm like, oh, it just blocks people from mm. wanting to come in and engage with you. And yeah, for me, for me, I I do the PEMF consulting, and my job is to introduce folks to PEMF horse owners, body workers. Um, so I want them to come in the booth and have an experience and to talk to me and be interested in what I'm offering and and let me educate them. So. I built up a network very quick doing that. And it was- That's amazing. It was solely for the vendor booths. Had I not have invested in some type of commercial space, if you will, I don't think I would have been able to talk to so many people as organically as I did. And then before you know it, it's like I'm friends with that person. And then, you know, I became really good friends with the equine chiropractor who travels this circuit. And then she's introducing me to people. So I also think leveraging- other professions and talents, you know, within that body work space that you're in or that you're getting into, make friends with that chiropractor. Um, some people view it as like, oh, it's competition. And it's like, no, like this is a team approach. We all work together. So collaborate, make friends. And before I know it, she was referring people to me. I was referring people to her. We were meeting different people through each other. And it, it was just really a really cool experience. And um, that would be one of my biggest suggestions to to folks just getting into it or people who've been doing this for a while and maybe hit a slump or looking to expand. If you can go to some more horse shows. Yeah, you know, 
you don't have any excuse. Like if you, if you have a business and you're not busy with clients, you need to be busy networking, putting yourself out there. You know, I think that vendor booths are an amazing idea. I also think that, you know, I love that you touched on um, knowing a chiropractor. I think that networking with other people in your industry is so key. You know, one thing that I like to do is whenever I meet a vet or um, a dentist or a saddle or whenever we cross paths at a barn, I always introduce myself and I chat with them for a little bit, you know, and I always like to say like, I'm pretty new in my business and, you know, I'm always looking for new people to learn from. Like, would you be at all open to me shadowing you for a day? Like, you know, no worries if not, but I just would really appreciate the opportunity to learn from you. And they're always like, oh, you know, I, I've never had anyone say no. They're always like, oh yeah, you know, of course. And so I get their number and I text them and then I set up a time for me to shadow under them. And then that way, like you're not coming at them as like competition at all, which really probably you're not going to be viewed as competition to them anyways. But then you can uh, kind of like learn from them. And that way you spend an entire day with that person and they get really comfortable with you. And, you know, you're kind of in their head. And then that way that person kind of starts to refer clients to you because you're top of mind and they also like know that you have respect for their methods. So they feel a lot more comfortable like introducing you to their network of clients. Yep. That's, that's so true. That's such a good point because, you know, the last thing I want is folks to, to take this away that, oh, just go up and, hey, I'm so-and-so, I'm an equine massage therapist, please send me referrals. Like, that's not what we're saying. Like, I'm so the- glad you brought that up. <laughs> I- because some people think that and they're like, yeah. and it's like, I don't think that really goes a long way with folks. Like what you just no. described, you're building rapport. And to be honest, I mean, are you going to refer somebody just because they said, hey, I'm Maya, I'm an equine massage therapist, and then they hand you the card and walk away? I don't know. I'm going to refer no. No. somebody, one of my friends, to my good friend, Dr. Leah, who does equine chiropractic, because I know her. I've gotten time to you know, observe her business. I see how she operates. I see you know the benefits she offers these horses and, and these riders and I know where I trust her. I like her. So I refer to her. So that's, that's really where you get the referrals. Yeah. You have to have trust. And as of right now, you know, I have like three or four different body workers that I refer people to because, um, either they've worked for me, um, which is the number one place I refer people is either Brittany or my other assistant and someone I've mentored, um, named Shanna. Um, but, or there's someone I have worked very closely with, um, you know, there are two other body workers who I've worked very closely with, who I have a great relationship with, who I'm also comfortable referring people to. But, you know, it's kind of like you, you, you know, you, you can't just expect people to like take your body work. you you can't just expect people to take your card and call you. Um, you know, I actually am a little bit of an anti-business card person. And I know that might be a little bit like controversial, a little bit spicy. I don't know. I mean, I don't think so. You know, I I always carry a few in my mind, but I find oftentimes I don't even give them out. It's yeah. (laughs) I and now in 2023 too. I mean, most times business cards 
go in the trash. But tell me, they do. tell me why you are anti-business card. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. So I'm with you. Like, I think I ordered business cards once, like when I got my new logo, which was literally like three years ago. And I'm, I've like, I think I've maybe given out like, you know what I've given. Okay. When I attend speaking events, like when I am a speaker at an event that has like around 50 or however many people, yes, I absolutely bring my business cards because that's just like so much more efficient um, than like, uh, you know, like going around and giving each person my number. But I do really encourage people to like, if I am at a speaking or educational event, I encourage them. Like I always say like, oh, like you guys should follow me on my social media because I have a ton of free resources there. Like if you enjoyed this today, follow me on social media because social media is such a better way to stay top of mind for people, you know, it goes back to like, you have to stay in front of people. Like every time I go, like I'm at the point where like, I know, and I'm sure you're at this point too. Like I know enough people in my area. If my business is ever slow, I can go like go to a show with a friend or go wander around a barn. And the people I know will see me and say, Hey, like, you know, actually, Hey Maya, like I've been thinking about you. Like, I want you to come to a buy work session on my horse. Um, and that's like social media can do the same thing in terms of like kind of staying top of mind for people. Whereas like if you just hand someone a business card, um, one, it's very likely that they'll throw it out or lose it, um, even if they are interested in contacting you. And B, they have your business card, but they have like there you never have a point of contact with them again. Like you have no power in reaching out. So if there's someone that I'm like really interested in working with, like I will not hand them a business card. Even if they ask for it, I'll say like, Oh no, no, like I don't have one with me. Let me get your number. And then I'll text them and then I'll follow up with them. If I don't hear back from them. That's smart. Right. And it gives you a reason to call back and to to do that follow up. Yeah. Yeah. That's That's a really good point. And yeah, and people love to help people. I mean, it's just innate in most of us. So asking for help or coming at it in that angle, hey, I'm new, I would love to shadow or learn or people want to help, you know, and and they appreciate that. So that's that's a good point. Yeah. So, you know, Jen, like what would, um, you know, you know, we're kind of shitting on business cards a little bit. Um, so I'd love to talk a little bit, you know, for well, it's people. Lazy. It is it lazy. lazy. Yeah. No, it's you, lazy. It's easy. Yeah. And you're going to get what you put into it. So there yeah. you go. <laughs> yeah. It kind of goes back to like the people who like pin up their business card on like a yeah. bulletin board. Like I would, <laughs> I would love the stats on like, if that actually works for anyone and I'm not shitting on it. Like maybe it works, you know, it's literally for free. So why not? Right. Like I'm not yeah. directly, like if I was new in my business, I wouldn't like, I'm not saying I wouldn't do that. I'm just saying like that, sh- that should not be your strategy. Right. Or your only thing. <laughs> your I mean, I have people that say, well, Jen, you know, right. I pinned up a few cards at my local <laughs> tack and feed store and I did what you said. I went to a horse show and, you know, I just handed people cards and I saw an equine chiropractor and I just said, Hey, you know, refer me business. I'm new, but nothing's happened from it. It's like, well, we got to fine tune this because, yes. <laughs> you know, you're going to get what you put into it. And things that are worthwhile do take work. Um, yes. This isn't impossible. It's very simple. 
Yeah. But it does take hard work and, and you got to be willing to do this. But the beauty of it is this hard work and time you're investing, this is your baby. This is your business. You're not building someone else's at this point, if this is the direction you want to go. So, you know, I would hope people listening that are, you know, in the new phases of their business or, or looking to start their business, um, do have that passion. I'm, I'm sure they have the passion for, for helping horses, but they also have passion with, with growing this business and, and what they're embarking on. So it, it does take hard work. It's not rocket science, but you got to be willing to put some effort into it. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and I think that, you know, for us talking about, you know, not using business cards, I think it kind of goes back to the earlier conversation of like so many people start a business and get so laser focused on what they want to happen immediately. And, you know, I think that like it go like I think if I had started my business, come straight out of massage school and like skipped um, mentoring and skipped actually forming relationships with people in my area because I'm new to where I live. I like, you know, I think that a lot of people say, well, like, oh, like, you know, you have this network. I don't have this network. I was actually very new to Chester County. You know, I moved here about six years ago and I didn't have like a good network of people until I started my business. Like I didn't have a big network of friends in this area until I started my business. So I think like coming from like looking at things in the long term and actually like coming into this for the right reasons, which are to actually be a very educated body worker and to make friends and help people like keeping those top of mind when you're networking and when you're meeting people is so crucial. You know, I think like when I was early on in my business, you know, I'm someone like, I still think about this interaction I had with someone and I cringe. Like I met someone at a party, like a barn party and I had just started my business Um, You know, I had like I had good clients like I was out on my own at that point. But like I met this person. I knew she had a really big, big boarding barn. And like I got introduced to her and like we like she was like, oh, like, hi, blah, blah, blah. And the person introducing me was like, oh, this is Maya. Like she's a body worker, blah, blah. And the person was like, oh, like, cool. You know, like whatever. Like, you know, um, and I was like, yeah, you know, like I'd love to like um, I'd love to like come to your barn and like give you like a free demo or if you guys would ever like you know have me come work like I'd love that and she was like oh you know okay and like she was immediately like super awkward and then it made me super awkward and then like um she like gave me her number and I texted her and I didn't hear back and so I like almost didn't follow up but then I followed up and again she was like oh like you know like we're busy right now but I'll like get back to you and I like never heard back from her and I think it's because like instead of just like meeting her (laughs) when I met her and just like talking to her as a human and being like oh hey like how are you like how do you know blah 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 or like you know how's like how's your like how are things going like you know like I immediately met her and was like, oh yeah, I'd love to like use you to like make money essentially. Like that was shitty. Like, and of course she didn't reach out to me. Like, and I think that when you just like meet people and you just like recognize them as a human being and you're like, oh yeah, you know, like you don't immediately press like a business relationship with them. It's not only like 
it's not only actually a better business move because it invests in the long-term relationship, it's also just being a better human. Like other humans and horses don't exist for you to make money. Like you need to just like be a little bit more chill. (laughs) Yeah. No, no, I agree. I agree. And if you lead with, you know, if you're leading with money and money's a big part of it, I'm not saying it's not, that's why we're in business, right? right? But if you lead primarily or predominantly with money, yeah, it, it's going to be tough. It's going to be a tough road for and you. It, if it you, just seems desperate too. Like it does. I, it does. I could basically like hear her thoughts, like, or maybe I'm projecting, but like I could hear her thoughts being like, "Well, if she's so desperate, she must not be very good." Like that's what yeah. I would think if someone did well, that yeah. to me. You know, I would right. be like, and I at that point, like, I had a pretty decent business and I was a decent body worker. Like, but she would, I'm sure she was like, oh my God, like, she's so desperate. She must not be very good, which is but like, these are yeah. rookie. I mean, it's a rookie yeah. mistake yeah. and I've done it. And I'm sure lots of people listening right now have done it. And yeah. <laughs> you quickly learn because then you see how it was received and the communication just stops and that relationship really didn't go anywhere. Um, but yeah, I think, I think putting money as secondary leading with wanting to help or leading with, you know, asking for help for somebody like, Hey, you know, uh, like you said, I, I would love to have you mentor me, Maya. I'm brand new. I would love, and coming at it with that approach. Um, I think then the money will follow. You know, let's touch on that very briefly. Um, I have a lot of people, no, I shouldn't say, I have people reach out to me asking me to be their mentor. Um, and that does feel like a little bit awkward to me. Um, okay. You know, I think that it's a little bit, I, I do think it kind of goes back to a little bit like putting the, maybe the, like, money aspect of it first, you know, cause I, I, or not even money, but a little bit like, um, you know, I think that if you're reaching out to someone and you're asking them to mentor you, that is a really huge ask. Um, you know, like I put a lot of like time and effort into the people I mentor. Um, and I, and for that reason, I only mentor people who work for me. Um, you know, so as of right now, there are only two people I mentor and both of them, you know, are doing quite well in their business at this point. So they're really not requiring a lot of mentorship. Um, but it a little bit feels awkward for someone I've never met to just reach out online and immediately say like, oh, will you be my mentor? Because it kind of feels like they're, they see where I'm at and they want to be where I'm at but they don't even know like how or where to start. And to me, that does feel, um, and this isn't a criticism to those people, but it it does feel a little bit almost like lazy. I feel like lazy is a little bit yeah. of a strong word for it. But like, you know, I had someone reach out saying like, hey, I like want to do what you do. Can you call me and like basically tell me a business plan? Yes. And I was yes. a little bit just like, you know, Turned why- off. 
Yeah, I was, you know, first of all, like, I'm a very, very busy person. Um, and I don't, like, if I sat down with every single person, which I wish I could, but if I sat down with every person who reached out to me and asked me questions like that, um, I would not be able to work on my own business and make money. But first of all, if you're reaching out to me and asking me for a business plan or you're reaching out and asking me just to mentor you, um, it makes me think that you don't have any clue where to start and you haven't even gotten started. Um, you know, like the two people that I mentor the most, the mentored, even past tense, the most closely were very self-starting and they had like one of them had started their business um and worked for, and both of them worked for me, of course, but neither of them like contacted me online, had never met me before and said, Hey, can you mentor me? Both of them, um, one of them applied to a job opening I had, and I ended up mentoring her a lot as a result. Um, and she worked very, very hard for me in return. Um, so it was absolutely worth mentoring her and getting to see her grow. And the other person took my course, um, and basically told like she asked me like, okay, I want to do this professionally. What do I need to do? And I gave her a few steps. She went and did it. She didn't bother me again. She like went to, cause I was like, you need to go to human massage school. You need to do this course. You need to do X. And she immediately just went and did it. Like no questions asked. And then when she needed some help with something, she would come back and ask me a question. But I mean, both of those people, they like never, they're not like needy asking me questions all the time because they're self-starters who want their own business. They just need a little bit of help and a little bit of bolstering. But if someone is reaching out to me online and saying like, hey, can you mentor me? It kind of makes me think that they're going to be reliant on me because they're not even, they don't even, they're not even asking me a question. They're not even saying yeah. like, you know, because sometimes people message me and they said, hey, I got started on my business. Can you give me some tips to get started? That's fine. I'm happy to give you some tips. Like, you know, go to horse shows, volunteer, you know, get in front of people as often as you can. Um, like that sort of thing. But if you don't even like have a question to start out with, you just want me to mentor you. It kind of makes me feel like you're not like putting yourself out there and you're not even like getting started and experimenting. Um, so, no, you know, I, I agree yeah. with that. There's yeah. different and there's different levels to this. So, right. That's so true. It, and maybe I was using the word mentor loosely and I'm glad you mentioned this because I feel like when you're asking for a true mentorship um, from somebody, I think you're at a different level too. For, for me, I'm further along in my business. I'm successful. I'm here. I've right. been struggling now to get here, to get my revenue here. That could be a part where I'm willing to invest in a paid mentorship from somebody yeah. who has already been here and you know can help me get to here. But I also feel like there needs to be some value for the person doing the mentoring too. Exactly. To your point, I mean, if somebody is brand new and has done very little work or has very little sweat equity in their own business, it's like, you just want me to give you the keys to the kingdom and, you know, right. like, here you go, you know? Right. Um, it's, yeah, it doesn't really work like that. So, um, I think there's different levels to this, you know, somebody that's brand new getting into it. it, it there's a lot of free resources out there, like yeah. to, to your social media, this podcast, do some of that, you know, start building some of the foundation. And if you're still kind of at the point where 
you're still hung up. Like I need a mentor. I just can't figure it out for myself or I'm too much in my own way. And there's, I can't compartmentalize. Then maybe if that's you, you do need to do what, what you did Maya for the first year and learn more about business. Maybe, maybe you have a few years as a massage therapist or as um, a PEMF provider or what have you, but you are falling short on the business side. So for the, if you're in that situation, I would recommend going that route and maybe stepping into temporary, you know, I'm not saying just give it up, give up entrepreneurship, but step into a, somebody else's business that's successful, you know, also do your research there. I wouldn't just pick the one right down the street. Right. If I'm going to do it, I'm going to look at a chiropractor's office. That's really successful. Um, that's been in business for a long time where our personalities drive, like all these different factors or like what you said, Maya, maybe, um, an establishment that can offer me a little flexibility too. Um, if, if I can find that. So that way I can still maybe do some clients on the side, but I think identifying what level you're at and, and just being self-aware too, and taking in account of others, you know, and that's the consumer too, you know, people that you're targeting, how do they view it? Always putting yourself in others' perspectives, I think will go a long way and will help people be more successful in their own business. Yeah. Yeah. And that isn't, you know, I, it's hard for me because I really love the idea of mentoring people, you know, at some point in, um, at some point in my career, you know, hopefully sooner rather than later, I would love to have a paid mentorship program set up. You know, I do think that it's something that a lot of people, um, need, you know, because as of right now, you know, I will only like mentor people who work for me, but I understand that I don't, I don't have any positions left for someone to work for me anymore. Um, And, you know, I think that it's so valuable for you to say, like, well, instead of just reaching out and asking someone, like, what can you do for me? Thinking about, like, what can I do for them to hopefully, like, get something back? Like, I know that some people will reach out to someone and offer to, like, you know, um, like, for example, like run their social media or like um, run ads or um, like do something like that. Like and then when they and say, like, you know, I could do all of this stuff for you. And in exchange, like I would love to like kind of like get your one on one feedback. Like if you reached out to a chiropractor and said, like, hey, can I work for you? And if they don't have some sort of like assistant position where you can work hands on, like you could say, like, oh, well, like I can do this for you or I can do that for you. And in exchange like if you could like okay like sit down with me once a week and go over like what I'm doing you know that sort of thing might might work well for people people as well yeah you're you're more willing I mean I have I have customers where I'll have a handful that'll reach out and have a ton of questions which is fine but then I look and I'm like wow they didn't even do the training that we provide right. with this technology. And, you know, fine if you if they don't need it, but clearly they need it because they're asking me questions that are covered in this training. And I'm like, really? But then I have folks where I can see they've done the training. I can see they've engaged, you know, in our private Facebook page. They have 
it's it's evident that they've put in work, right, to try and learn, and they're they're at a different level. And and for that kind of person, I find I'm more willing to help them. Not that I'm not willing to help the other, but I I'm kind of like, hey, you need to go through training. You need to do these step one, two, and three, the basic stuff before you can just start asking. And it's like what you said, Maya, it's frustrating. It's like you've done very little to no work, but you're asking for help. I don't, I think people are more willing to help when they can see like you've invested something in yourself too. So if folks listening have a question um, or they see something you post on social media, how would you like them to reach out? to you if they have yeah. a specific question. Yeah. You know, so I like, I, you know, we talked about how it feels a little bit weird when people just immediately reach out and ask um, me to mentor them. Um, but I do think I am very comfortable with people establishing a relationship with me if they like ask a specific question, you know, when they've clearly like consumed my content and they're interested, you know, in me, like, um, you know, for example, if someone listened to this podcast and they said, you know, like I listened to all of this and I've been doing, you know, everything you talk about, but it's still not working for me. Like, do you have any thoughts on X, you know, like, or, you know, I listened to your podcast on science of soundness and, um, like I'm implementing rest, but you know, my vet is saying X and my trainer is saying Y, like, what do you think about that? You know, I, especially for people who are in my online courses. So I know that they've invested in me and they've invested in, you know, a lot of the education that I have. I'm super willing to answer those questions and have a relationship with them. And I'm definitely not opposed to, um, you know, I'm a little bit like almost sketched out by people just reaching out to me online and asking me a bunch of intrusive questions about like, you know, this, this biz, like how I established this business and how I like in like what education like I did for X and Y. Um, but I think that, you know, for example, I have some people, um, who are in my classes, who talk to me very regularly about um, things that are going on with them and their horse. Um, one of them is named Lauren. And like, I've never met her in real life, but I think she's so cool and so amazing. And I have a relationship with her just through Instagram DMs. Like if Lauren messaged me and said like, hey, um, I'm going to be in your area. I'm pretty sure she lives in like Texas or something. But if she said like, hey, I'm going to be in your area for like a week, would you mind if I come shadowed you for a couple days? I would be like, oh my gosh, of course. Like I'd love to meet you because she's in my courses. So I know that she values me, right? Because someone who just reaches out and says like, and I have most of the people who reach out and ask to mentor me, they aren't in any of my courses. And that kind of makes me pause because I'm like, okay, well, like you um, like want a ton of free information from me, but you're not even like willing to invest in a course um, right. to like further right. your own education. And that goes back to what you said about like people reaching out when they haven't even completed the pulse. Um, uh the, po the pulse certification, you know, it's hard because like you're, it feels like that person isn't valuing like your time. Like if someone reaches out with a bunch of, I have people reach out and they'll send me videos of their horse and be like, oh, well, what's wrong with my horse? And I'm like, you know, like you haven't, you know, first of all, 
see a vet. Like, that's not my business. Like, right. I'm not diagnosing right. anyone. But, like, you know, if you haven't done the work to help yourself before you ask me to help you, it just feels a little bit disrespectful of my time. It it does. And also, yeah. I'm sure you've experienced this as well as I have. Sometimes these questions that folks are asking, it's covered in the content. Yeah. It's covered in your, yeah. you know, in your courses, or it's covered in the training that's included when people invest in Pulse PEMF technology. So it's like, you know, you got to think how that comes off. It's like you're asking something that's already in this framework. You just need to invest the time and and go through it. Right. Right. Exactly. You know, like how, why would I invest in you if you haven't invested in me first? Yes. It's a little so bit invest hard, in but... yourself. Yeah. No, yeah. everybody needs yeah. to invest in themselves. I'm a big advocate for that. And it's, it's only going to help, you know, it's only yeah. going to help you. Yeah. So, you know, I'd love to kind of dive into, um, how you see, um, PEMF help body workers. You know, we've talked about things that body workers, equine body workers can do to improve their businesses. Um, and I think that it's so valuable to have like a good base business, um, when you invest in uh, in Pulse PEMF um, because of its expense, um, you know, I would love to see, like what I experienced was I had like a good business, but investing in PEMF took my business from good to great. So I'd love to kind of hear how you've like seen that play out. Yeah, and pretty much that is time and time again where I see if, if people already have an existing bodywork business, equine massage primarily and equine chiropractors, those are the two I work with the most. They have a good solid foundation. PEMF just takes it up a whole nother level um, in a few different ways. One, it can kind of be, um, it can kind of set you apart. So if you're in an area where there may be a few massage therapists or you're at a show or you're traveling the circuit and offering your services, um, you do PEMF and equine massage, or maybe you do PEMF, equine massage, and taping. Um, I find customers that will invest in these services do like to have, uh, or they like to use somebody that has multiple options versus, okay, I got to go to Maya for equine massage. I got to go to Jennifer for my PEMF. I got to go over here for my, you know, my laser. So if you're able to make things convenient for the consumer, they usually will continue using you. People like easy people like, you know, one-stop shop. So, um, people that's love combos. One- yeah, and I totally they love agree combos. with you. Yes, yeah, they I do. Mean, I had, you know, I've had people tell me because I give, you know, I combine PEMF and body work in an hour session. And it's great because I get to make way more money in an hour. Um, and it yep. also saves that person scheduling another practitioner. And I give them a big, like, basically a big discount and a big savings, you know, like on what those two would be separate. And I've had people tell me like, cause I've said like, oh, like you're saving, you know, like 50 or however many dollars on this session um, because you're doing it together. And I've had people tell me like, I would actually pay you more 
more just because I don't have to deal with scheduling and like holding for another person. And I think that that's so interesting because equestrians are so busy. Like they don't want to have to schedule 50 different practitioners. No, no, they, they don't. And, and also if you're going to a barn or you're working with a trainer, oftentimes they have multiple horses. So you, you know, in that kind of situation, they have eight, 10, 12 horses on the schedule. Could you imagine like trying to coordinate multiple services for all those horses? It can be cumbersome. And I also think not only from a financial value, when you combo this for customers, also they get results. The There's extreme value in the results. Now, absolutely. Can you use PEMF as a standalone and get amazing results? Yes, absolutely. You yes. can use massage as a standalone and get amazing results. However, when you combo them, and I know, Maya, you can speak on this, that right. it just amplifies everything. It just amplifies those results even more. It really does. Yeah. I mean, because PEMF helps with circulation and lower inflammation and lower pain in horses with arthritis. Um, and it really helps to supercharge the, the cells and get the body functioning more properly. And then massage can go in and address specific muscular pain points, you know? So what I always say is like, I think I, you know, I think kind of a simple way to say it is like massage is massage for the muscles and PMF is massage for the cells, you know, and when you combine the two together, you just get so many benefits because PMF can go in and loosen up that body and improve the lymphatic flow and improve the circulation. Massage can go in and address specific imbalances in a way that PMF can't. But PEMF can address like skeletal pain and circulatory flow. And um, as we discussed in our previous podcast, um, scar tissue and healing in a way that massage can't either. So when you combine the two, it's just so incredibly powerful. And it's why I give my clients such a big discount because I just believe in it so much. Absolutely. I love that. Um. You know, so I wanted to mention, too, um, you know, the reason why I believe in Pulse so much for people who have anyone investing in PEMF, but especially those who are investing in PEMF for the reason of implementing it in their business. You know, I so support people choosing Pulse because I've just noticed that the machine is so... um, reliable. Like I've, uh, I've used other PEMF machines before that break all the time, like all the time. And, you know, unfortunately, like, especially the lower end PEMF machines that are, you know, lower end as in like 10 or $11,000, which to me is still a huge amount of money. Yeah, Um, it is. You know, like I've noticed some other companies, like when you invest in the lower end machines, they're kind of like meant for like, um, personal use. And so they just don't hold up to the wear and tear of being used every day, even if you treat them pretty well. And then with some other companies I've been with, I when the machine breaks, it is out of commission for weeks. And that's a huge deal to your business. You know, like I've had to, I've lost thousands and thousands of dollars when my machine has been broken with another company. Whereas Pulse, you know, the reason I made the switch was because I was facing that difficulty where my machine was just breaking all the freaking time. And yeah. I talked to some of my other friends who use PEMF and they all said like Pulse is 
incredible. I abuse my machine and it's never broken. And then I got on the phone with you about, you know, um, about Pulse. And you said, like, we have a 48-hour turnaround time. And I was just blown away because I was like, that is so important to any practitioner, but especially any practitioner who's, like, early on in their business and they're really trying to, like, build their clientele and be really reliable. You know, because to me, like, my... Like when my machine was broken, it really sucked and I lost thousands of dollars, but like I could still go and massage and make a lot of money or make fine money. And like my customers knew me and were like, you know, this isn't something that happens regularly until the end when it was happening all the time. Um, yeah. And, you know, they still trusted me. But to someone who's more in the beginning of their business starting out, if you're facing that, um, you know, that machine breaking, that's awful. I mean, that is a devastating loss that can't be. Oh, yeah, covered. it can. It, absolutely. And people are going to view you as unreliable. And then you could end up losing those clients forever. Um, and, and I, I do explain this to folks, because I'll be the first one to say it. And you know this, Maya, Pulse PEMF is not the cheapest PEMF machine on the market. Um, yeah. I, probably, I will, yeah. I will say, though, like for the quality, I would expect it to be more personally. Um, you know, and I don't I, like, think we're that yeah, much more. It, you're like, not that I, much we're not, more for the yeah, difference in not, quality and customer yeah. service. I don't think uh, to me it's so worth it. But, well, right. Yeah. And, and, and that's what I tell folks. Like, we aren't that much more. We are more, but we aren't that much more, you know, maybe a couple thousand dollars. But think of it this way. If it is costing you clients um, indefinitely, or even just you lost, you know, all that revenue you could have made in a couple weeks because your machine right. was broken and it took three to four weeks to get repaired and to get it back. I mean, right there, you know, is the difference. So not to mention the frustration and then how this is perceived by your clients, all these things. So, um, yeah, I always have folks think, and again, it's going back to like thinking long-term, not just looking at, well, this one's 10,000 and yours is 13,000 or whatever. Well, you know, there's some reasons behind it and you got to look at the big picture of this too. So that, that is a really good point to make when folks are looking at, adding PEMF or really any modality at, at that matter, you know, take all these things into consideration. Look at what does that manufacturer offer for warranty turnaround time? Cause that's going to impact your business. It's going to impact your bottom line, your revenue. Look at, you know, what kind of training support that they offer. And also I personally, and I, I'm not sure if everybody, probably most people don't do this, but I, I'm very involved with my customers. So yeah. Just, you know, they purchase a machine, but that's not the last time they hear from me. I'm very much checking in, especially folks that maybe are newer into business. Um, I have like a soft spot for the, those kind of folks, and I really want to see them succeed. So I'm there to help every step of the way. So I think that's also, you know, something to look into, not only looking at the product or the modality you're investing into, but look at what kind of support and what type of people are at this company. Um, and does that align with your mission and, and maybe the level of support that you may need? You may not need any support. You may be rocking and rolling and you just 
want to buy a laser or PEMF unit. Great. You know, so, um, you know, but just things to be mindful of. Yeah. Yeah. You're so supportive. You're so much more supportive than, you know, I've experienced from, you know, different, not just companies, but just different um, investments I've made um, in like people and technology. Um, You know, like it's really wonderful. Like, I feel like the Pulse family, it is just like a smaller business. Um, And it's really wonderful to like have that support. You know, like I can text you whenever like I have a question about my machine or whenever something comes up, like I'll FaceTime you and we'll troubleshoot it. Um, you know, and that's just like so valuable. That's not anything I've ever had before. And it's just so comforting, you know, when you have such a, when your business relies on a machine so much, it's so comforting to have that like one-on-one support. Yeah. I, and I think it's needed, you know, nowadays it's, we have moved so far away from one-on-one interactions and everything's automated or like a generic response and not just with, you know, what I do, but this can apply to any business. I think when you truly treat people, your customers, the way you would want to be treated, and not only I lead by over-deliver too, you know, going above the status quo um, yeah. or the norm, that has, that. if I had to say that one huge contributor to business success, it would be that, just treating people how I would want to be treated as a customer and what would wow me as a customer. You know, maybe that's after they get a PEMF session or a combo equine massage session and they're a brand new client, the next day just texting them, how's your horse doing? I'm just checking on them, you know, little, and you may already be doing that. I mean, just little things like that to me go a long way with people. And that's really what that caring and coming across like you truly care, um, that's what's going to keep customers loyal and referring to you. And, and it's going to ultimately lead to a lot of success in your business. I totally agree with you. I, you know, I always tell people like, I'm not here to work on your horse once. I want to be your horse's massage therapist for life, you know, and I want to be part of your team. So like I try to, you know, obviously you have to be careful about like over um, investing your time, but Really, like I, I have such a wonderful relationship with my clients because, you know, I tell them like after as I'm leaving, I say, please text me, you know, tomorrow and the next day and let me know how your horse is feeling, Um, you know, and if there's a show nearby, I try to like pop over, you know, I have a lot of my clients will actually um, have me. Um, come watch them ride if they're really going through something with their horse and they really value that. that you know that I sit there and I watch them ride and I say like okay I can see what you're talking about now better sometimes I'll even sit on the horse um and like really being invested in them um just the way they invest in you just makes such a huge difference um because you know me and a body worker were just talking about this the other day like And, you know, sometimes people get like so weird and competitive um, with each other in our industry. You know, like her and I have uh, my friend, um, Alyssa, you know, she were her and I were talking about how we sometimes interact with other body workers and, you know, they seem just kind of like cagey about stuff. And, you know, her and I were talking about like, you know, the great thing about 
when you actually are really good to your customers is like you don't have to lie awake at night and worry that they're going to leave you because you have such a good relationship with them. You know that they're not going to leave you just like you're not going to leave them. You know, they trust you to show up when you're going to show up to work on your horse and to do a good job and follow up with them. And you trust them to stay with you for life. So it just creates such like a stable, rewarding business. Absolutely. That's so true. So, yeah, yeah. And I'd love to talk about a little bit about the training that Pulse PMF offers, you know, because I think that that's something a lot of people thinking about adding it to their business are interested in. Yeah. So the way it works is training is included. It's not an additional expense. Um, You don't have to go seek this training outside of Pulse. So we are the manufacturer of the technology. And what we do is when someone decides to invest in a piece of our equipment, we include training. And that training is comprised of human um, PEMF application training equine and animal, uh, small animal, livestock, exotic, um, everything in between. So you have all options. And, you know, if if someone invests in this and they only want to offer PEMF to horses, I have folks that are like, Jen, I don't like dealing with humans. I don't want to work on humans. I just want to work on horses. That's fine. I mean, you don't have to go through the human training if you don't want to. I encourage it at the very least because you could learn how to leverage the technology on yourself and benefit that way. But um, it's just nice to have the option. So you know, by no means is any of the training a requirement. It's not something that you have to do. Um, It is a wellness modality. So you do not need a medical license or mandated training to operate this. However, um, we strongly advise, even if it's just for personal use, um, but especially for business to go through the training It's going to help you leverage the technology better. It's going to give your clients optimal results. And it's just like, why not? It's not a crazy amount of time. It can be done um, on your computer at home at your own pace. And then once you go through the trainings, you become certified and there's benefits to this. So when someone completes the training, they get a a complimentary listing on our PEMF provider map locator page. So if somebody is searching for PEMF services in Pennsylvania, um, they can type in their zip code and boom, you'll pop up. Um, The other benefit would be you have access to our private Facebook page, which is super valuable. That's where you can find other technology owners, business owners, asking questions, getting answers, topics just like things we talked about today on the podcast, things like that are covered on this Facebook page. So um, you get access to all that once you complete training. I mean, I think it goes back to the fact, like I really, really um, like encourage or almost like if I have a client who gets a personal use machine, I almost like twist their arm into doing the training or at least like watching me do it on a few horses um, if they have the opportunity to shadow like me in person because 
it's it is a medical device and it is a powerful medical device and with you know that power that is so helpful you know there can be some potential damage if you don't know how to use it properly um so i do really i agree i think it's just so much better even if you are just personal use to go through the um training even if you don't 100 go through everything and get the certification like at least just learning how to use it on your and, you know, not using it at too high level, that's really important. I agree 100%. And it's like, why not? If it's included and it doesn't require a ton of time, go through it. You're investing in the technology, which is, you know, it's a sizable investment. Go through the training. Yeah. Um, You know, so Kind of one last question on, you know, the business side of the PEMF. Um, You know, I think that a lot of people, when they're thinking about, like, making this investment, um, are interested in thinking about the return on the investment, you know, the ROI. So kind of how quickly are they going to see, you know, paying off the machine and getting their money back? And I was wondering, you know, based on your experience, Um, how quickly do practitioners tend to see a return? You know, that's a great question. And I get asked that a lot. And, you know, I I get why it's asked a lot. We want to know ROI on this. Um, And it varies so much. And the reason why it varies is it, you know, you're it varies on the personality type. Are they a super self-starter if they've never been in business? Do they have a book of business? You know, it, do they already have a built-in equine massage business? Um, for that, it's going to be much easier, and I can kind of coach them. And and what I would suggest is exactly what you do, Maya, is comboing and making it a seamless transition. Um, if they're financing it versus paying for it, you know, outright, that ROI may differ a little bit because now we're adding some interest in there. Um, I've seen folks, you know, where it can take a few years to earn out, to pay off their system. And I've seen folks that literally, um, say they make the purchase in January and by March or April, they have pretty much it paid for itself. But that situation that, yeah, that was a massage therapist. It was a human massage therapist, but he was so gung ho and the things that stood out to me were he was marketing this before it even arrived in his oh, massage practice. Oh, that's a great point. I did that too. Yeah. Um, yeah I mean, yep. really, yeah, really quick tip. Like when I got my first machine, I went through and I texted everyone that it was arriving. Um, and I did the um, training ahead of time. So I said like, hey, I have this like awesome new technology. Um, these are the benefits. I am um, just for the first month or whatever, I'm offering like a free like 20 minute add on to your, you know, blah, 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 like something like that. Or like uh, I'm offering like, you know, off for the first month. Like, do you want me to add it to the session that we have planned for next week? That is really smart. That's a really good, good thing that he did. Yeah, he was, I mean, it was already booked out. Um, He did that. And he also invested in um, a, so we have a doctor by the name of Dr. Patty Barsh, who 
she's a very interesting person. She is a naturopathic doctor, but she has an equine background too. She was an equine nutritionist, owns horses, showed horses. Um, and she's a very, very successful customer of ours, technology owner. She owns like six or seven machines and she's been at it for, for some time. And she does a, a, an array of other services within her practice, but um, she started putting out some material and courses for folks looking to how do I add this modality? How do I scale? How do I add other holistic modalities? Um, and she has one for, for human practices and also for equine uh, body workers as well. But he invested in that course too. So he outlaid additional cash into some high level, high quality courses in addition to the included training that Pulse offers. And we do offer some marketing and business training as well. But he took it another step further and really did everything within his power to make sure he was going to be successful with this. And he was just, he just went at it in a very tenacious way with some strategy. And I think that's why he saw success so quick. And, you know, the machine paid for itself in a few months. So that's a hard question to answer. And when I'm trying to help somebody identify this, uh, I usually will will talk, I'll get some information about their business, and then I'll I'll make them like an honest, you know, assumption. Like, okay, you have this many clients or we're brand new, you're in this area, this is your demographic, this is the machine you're looking at, this is the cost. Based on what I've seen in the past, others in your situation, I've usually seen it take X amount of time before you're making 100% profit on this machine. So if somebody listening is interested in either starting a standalone PEMF business or adding it to their massage business or their equine bodywork business, the best thing to do would just be um, reach directly out to me um, and we can do just an individual call where I can learn a little bit more about your business and your goals. And then we can tackle those kind of questions together. I love that. Yeah. Cause my next question was, you know, for anyone who's interested in, um, you know, P, you know, investing in Pulse PEMF, um, you know, I was going to ask what the best next steps are, but, you know, we're going to link all of your information, um, in the show notes, as well as, you know, on social media and everything. So, you know, your recommendation would be to reach out to them through there. And then um, you guys can sit down for a one-on-one -on -one call. Yeah. And, and I mean, even if you're not sure, like you, you're not sure if you want to invest, but you just want to chat about what could be the opportunities or you yeah. want to learn a little bit more about the technology, reach out and we can dive deeper into this or, you know, maybe even if you are, let's say you own a PEMF system and you're, maybe you're having some challenges. I'm happy to talk to those people as well, you know, yeah. and, and offer them some insight. Right. Yeah. You helped me so much when I was making my decision, you know, if I wanted to stay with the company I was with or if I wanted to yeah. switch over to Pulse. And you were very, you know, the great thing about you, um, for anyone listening to this, is Jen is so, like, non-pressuring and just so chill and so nice. Like, she, gives, she gave me so much time to, like, she just gave me the information I needed and we chatted. And it was just like talking to a friend and just, you know, kind of 
weighing the pros and cons. And then, um, you know, I was able to make my decision without any pressure, which I really, really appreciated as well, because it is, it's a big decision. Yeah, it's a big decision. And I just, you know, that that's exactly it, My, I just want to give folks the resources and enough education and arm them with what I feel um, is the most important criteria to consider when investing in, in any, any PEMF modality. So thank you for saying that. I'm glad, I'm glad you felt that way. <laughs> yeah, of course. I love working with you. And I mean, when I first I love working with you, <laughs> yeah, when I first uh, started working with you, I remember saying like, I would work with, you know, like I would work with you without any like brand deal or anything like that. I would just, yeah. I'm like, I believe in the system and you and everything so much. I would promote you regardless, but it's a great little uh, perk for me that it, <laughs> that I get a machine out of it. Um, but maybe, no, maybe we're, we we're like, minds. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right. So I think that that about concludes the podcast. Um, yeah, here, I'm going to just ask you the last question of the pod, which is when it comes to PEMF businesses and buy work businesses, what is one thing that you don't buck with? You know, I just, I would say it's just bad business, just unprofessionalism, undercutting somebody, you know, poaching people and doing it just a dirty way. And I I would just say unprofessionalism in general, uh, being catty to fellow body workers, just not not being a team player. I think that one, I think there's enough business to go around. I totally agree. I am not of the scarcity mindset at all. And I think when people try to undercut others and just do some dirty things in business, it it gives the profession a bad look. So, um, and it's just not needed. I think we all can work together. And instead of looking at somebody as competition, maybe approach it in a way, in a different way. And introduce yourself and who knows that person can become a friend and you guys can teamwork and then end up sharing, you know, referrals and business. Now, not all the time it'll work out that way. Not everybody is going to be open and, and of that nature. And that's okay. You know, you can't change how people think and people are going to do what they want to do. But I always feel that it's never a good look to talk bad about someone, even if, you know, maybe they're not that great of a body worker or they do some things that are kind of sketch. Um, <laughs> I kind of sketch. <laughs> you know, yeah, it's just not, yeah. you know, there's a way to say things and then there's a way not to. And it's like, you don't look good if you're bad talking somebody. So, yeah, you know, so just true. just be mindful. You can't control what others do, but just be professional whenever you're out there. Um, working in the industry, working at these barns or at these horse shows, people are always watching and just handle yourself with a, with a level of professionalism is, is what I would say. And it always makes me cringe when I see folks that, that don't do that. Um, Also, if you see stuff in the field too, um, you know, that is just not okay where the horse could be at jeopardy of being injured or you see somebody practicing, you know, chiropractic care that's not a chiropractor. I mean, 
I also feel that you have a due diligence to to report those things to protect the industry. So just maintaining a level of professionalism all the way around, I think, is is important to me. I totally agree. All right. Well, thank you so much, Jen, for joining me today. It was wonderful to have you. And I, I think that a lot of my listeners um, are going to get a lot of value from this conversation with you. So thank you so much. Thank you, Maya. Have a great day. You too. <laughs>